This is the MLW Radio Network. Due to the graphic nature of this program, listener discretion is advised. My name is Jerry Lynn, and I am going to blow you out of the water when you hear who today's special guest is. It's my pleasure to introduce to you a former ECW Triple Threat Champion, everyone's favorite raging lunatic, Mikey Whipwreck. Welcome to Front Row Material with Jerry Lynn and Mikey Whipwreck. Should they go get my dog? We can hear him licking his ball. <laughs> Here's your host, Mike Freeland. Where is Jerry? Well, Jerry says in a text message that. Just a minute, I have to refluff my wiener. Oh, good. Yes. Stop with the thing! Ass. The mud. Who almost killed me before. Get out of here. He almost killed me before. You almost died. My wife is like... Yes, I was washing dishes. And the... You are not! Yes, I was! That's a fucking lie! I was over there washing wow. dishes. You were standing at the sink. You were not Call. washing dishes. <laughs> I had just finished. I had just, and there were dishes from dinner. There were bowls in there, and if, they you know, eat on paper plates. They do not eat on paper plates because your 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 sons had cereal. Were the paper plates on the floor? That's because I didn't finish. Because the damn thing nearly fucking killed me. What killed? And almost killed you. The fucking mutt. Oh, what? Captain Nonballs. I'm sitting at the sink, trying to wash dishes. Next thing I fucking know, the thing attacks me, takes me out the fucking knees, my arm catches myself on the edge of the fucking counter, my back collapses, I'm like, oh. Yeah, my, my back popped, now I'm walking around, like, trying not to stop moving, because I knew as soon as I sat down and stopped moving, I was going to get fucking all stiff. Mm-hmm. Well, our, our dog, uh, Cheyenne, she's the part husky Malamute. Yeah. Uh, she is 77 pounds. She's a big girl. And her and Jesse get running through the yard chasing each other. And one time I wasn't looking and she clipped me right in the legs and it looked like she gave me an open field tackle. I just flew. Then I had to lay there for a few <laughs> minutes and feel around, make sure everything was intact. <laughs> I get very mad. Well, don't, Don't give it a chair shot, shot like, like I saw on Twitter today. Oh, my God. That was the oh. most violent thing I've ever seen. <laughs> We're not going to fucking talk about that. Right, oh, my gosh. That chair shot was not my fault. Well, uh, That it, it was, was worse than what The Rock did to him. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. That, that's fucked up. Because really. The Rock gave him how many? 18, eight or 18 or 20. 18 or 20, yeah. That's what I said. Maybe not that many. Well, he was handcuffed. Well, he was handcuffed on this one, too. Mm. Oh, my wow. God. You just swung for the fences, my friend. Listen. <laughs> they fucking said to me, Mikey, we're going to be in a figure four. Come out. Swing like you're going to hit Shane and then change your mind at the last minute and hit Cactus in the head. I said, okay. And they said to me, it can't look like shit. I said, okay. So I get out there and I do the thing. And, I, and Cactus is laying on the ground. I thought he was going to be sitting up, kind of like Shane was. So I could have went for Shane, swerved, and hit Cactus, and I would have hit him like a baseball bat, you know, 
head on. But instead, he's laying on the ground. <laughs> the fuck was I supposed to do? Oh, my God. I'm watching it now again. Every oh time God. I see it, I go, ugh, ugh, ugh. What did you think? What did you, uh, yeah, what did you think after it happened? I mean, fuck, too hard? Fuck, I'm, oh, my God. Yeah, he made like a weird noise. <laughs> <laughs> like what? What did it sound like? <laughs> oh my god this is and i remember looking over going bang bang and i'm going i'm so sorry he never complained about it not once so that's what that's what near death sounds like oh uh, every time somebody had every time somebody gust. every time somebody fucking posted i'm like don't tag me in this shit i don't want to see this oh sorry my god holy shit and then jerry made a haha about being you know no receipt from a clutch well, I'm glad. See, that was one tenth my power, Jerry. What I could I have know. done if I was angry. I, I, I never, never want to hear myself, myself go. Uh. <laughs> Mikey, what were we talking about earlier? Huh? Remember earlier when I was? Uh, can't remember what I was doing there. Every day is like a blur now. When I was talking to you on the phone, I said, "Here, talk to my friend Brian," because yes. I had to go into the bathroom. Oh, that's. <laughs> have I ever taken the phone with me? I'm trying to think. I can't remember, no. Now, if you're not talking on the phone, will you guys take your phone in the bathroom to text while you're, uh, you're dropping a Louie? It's called, no. it's called dropping a deuce. Oh, okay. You know your he man is working Louis. hard. He's worth a deuce. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, quite frankly, you know your man is working hard. He's worth a Louie. That just doesn't, just doesn't, no, doesn't, 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 it doesn't work. Try to Paul Stanley's voice. How you doing, Jerry? <laughs> no, do it. What? He's worth a Louis in Paul Stanley's voice. Hey, people. You know your man's working hard. He's worth a Louis. <laughs> <laughs> I think no. it would work with Paul Stanley singing it. It might. It might. No, but then I took you to the car, and I said, okay, we can talk now. I'm in the car with my Bluetooth kicked over. I can't remember what we were talking about. Oh, you know why? Because when I got into the car, if I have my Bluetooth on, when I get out of the car and I park, when I restart the car... It'll go to the, it'll kick over to the radio. But in the parking garage, there's no signal. So you just get like really loud static. That's right. So you said it sounded like a toilet. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, it, it did. did. It, it sounded like a toilet, toilet flushing. flushing. Right. So I thought you ran into the bathroom. You dropped a Louie. Oh, so guess what? No, then, then, almost... then you said to me, then you said to me, oh, no. oh you can, you can rub, rub one out while you're talking to me in the car. You said. <laughs> oh, my God. I forgot I said that. Oh, my God. Oh, because oh, you said, it's Bluetooth. I'm hands-free. And I said, oh, you can rub one out while talking to me. That's right. And I said, I said, I said I'd probably get pulled over. Not for driving erratically, but for driving erotically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll behave.
Yesterday we had to uh, go turn on the water and the gas. And we get to the gas company and it's a smaller town. I mean, not really. I mean, I guess it is smaller. It's Manchester where they have Bonnaroo every year. But uh, we talk, we get, we pull up to the gas place and the whole parking lot's empty except for a couple employees' cars in the back. And we're like, great, no lines. And we get up to the woman and we tell her what we need to turn the gas on for. The, and we give her the address and she goes, oh, you bought that house? <laughs> it's like, oh. I know we're in a small town when she knew exactly what the house was. She didn't say it too scary, like, oh, you bought that house? The one where all the dead bodies were found? Wow. So we lucked out there. What would you do if you lived in the Amityville Horror House? Would that bother either one of you, or would you just be fine? Or a house that's yeah. allegedly haunted? Are you into that kind of stuff, or no? If I heard, get out, I would be gone. My wife says it every day, I'm still here. <laughs> 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 you ain't scared. It's hard. I'm not as scared of nothing. I called my uh, my friend one time, and someone answered the phone. They said, "Oh no, he's in the shower." I said, "Okay, I'll call back later." So I called back. I said, "Hey," I said, uh, "You know, I called you before. You know, you know, your buddy said you were in the shower." He goes, "Huh?" Because your buddy said I was in the shower. He goes, "What are you talking about?" Said I called your house before, and they said you were in the shower. He goes, because I've been home by myself all day. <sighs> wow, that's <laughs> messed up. Right number? I did because we checked the caller ID, and my call was on there. That's messed up. That's fucked up. That is messed up, it's big time. Yep. Big time. Yeah. No, there's 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 definitely something out there. Because I'll get the heebie-jeebies, and I'll get like the. My spider senses go off, and I can tell. So do you like going to haunted houses and, or haunted trails on Halloween? I would. Angel's not, Angel's not really into that. Really? Yeah. She's just not into it, or she, would she really be scared, or what? Uh, she might be scared, because if I watch, like, Ghost Hunters or Ghost Adventures or something on, on TV before bed, she freaks uh -huh. out. Really? Oh, I'm going to leave this on. show. Oh, Annabelle and I used to love watching Ghost Hunters We'd at night, turn all the lights off. That was that was fun. I think you have to watch it. Is that I, want I want to go down to uh, Gettysburg. We've gone to the Stones River battlefield here. and Is it scary? Well, we haven't gone at night, but we took a tour of it. It was pretty cool. But uh, we've gone. They have also the uh, Sam Davis home here. Now, we've done that at Halloween. And it's not like, you know, we have characters jumping out at you and stuff. But they have a lot of employees I mean, they dress it up. They wear these like cloaks and they right. all carry candles and you go from like a, you start on the outside then you go from room to room in the house and they tell you about things that have supposedly actually happened, like the creepy things in the house. Cause it is, you know, from the what, 1800s or something. And it's, you know, it's gone through the whole civil war and stuff. So it's, and then you take a hayride around the, uh, the whole property after going through the house. It was, it was a pretty cool tour. But yeah, it was, it was kind of creepy. I like all that shit. Oh, I love the uh, paranormal stuff. For some reason, where people die, I have to, like, go visit. There's a like, place up in uh, Kentucky. Didn't it used to be, like, an old hospital or sanitarium or something? Well, like, yes, where, you, where you can actually go and spend the night? You can spend the night. That's right. 
Where oh, I'm located, there's a lot of things. There's a um, there's a honky tonk, and you can uh, go into the basement. And evidently, they it's called Bobby Mackey's. Oh yes, yes. That's been on Ghost Adventures a couple times. It's on Ghost Adventures. Yeah. So we, Bobby Mackey owns it, and he had one of his, I guess, bar hands or bar backs that used to live, I want to say, above, like in the attic area, and he had a really bad experience. And they say that the basement, I guess, where they used to keep the beer and everything in, is um, considered a portal to hell. And they will charge you. They have certain nights, especially in the fall, where you can go on this tour and you can uh, experience the portal of hell. I think it sounds pretty great. So I'd love to do it. Well, we have things to talk about. We have work to do. So should we probably get started with an opening? You're stealing Jerry's shtick. Oh, okay. Should we do an open? There you go. We could could do that. We could do that. Are you ready? Yep. All right, here we go. Welcome to another episode of Front Row Material. My name is Mike Freeland. I am... Did I scare you? Oh, I'm a ghost. My nipples got a little hard. (laughs) What the hell are you doing? I'm doing the wind special effect. Oh no! I'm out of helicopter. Really There's too much wind. Microphone. <laughs> oh no! Oh, God. The we chopper's need Mikey back. the chopper. The it's chopper. <laughs> There's too much wind up here. I don't think I can contain myself. I don't think I can maintain elevation. Holy fuck! <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Oh, God. Smoke alarm. Hold on. It's the ghost. He got angry. He would probably be like George from Seinfeld when the fire started in the apartment and he was running out, pushing kids over. What? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing to see here. (laughs) Out of my way. (laughs) Move her or lose it, sister. (laughs) Did I tell you what Annabelle said to me one time? She was misbehaving. And I was soundly rebuking her. And she says to me, watch it. I know how to commit the perfect murder. Oh, Jesus. my God. Oh, my Who's God. That? And I was like, you guys are watching that channel way too much. My aunt was on the ID channel. What? During, yeah, during one of those shows. She played no. one of the murderers. Yeah. Wow. So she's an actress? No. No. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, my God. She just likes to pretend to be murderers. I don't, I don't know how she got it, but she was... Uh, yeah, she went there for like a day and a half or something, and she uh, she played the murderer. Wow. It was pretty good. She's not an actress, but she got to play the murderer on a TV show? Yeah. Wow. How did she do? Good? <laughs> so like, I too I said, good? I said, wait a minute. You're not an actress, but you got to play the part of a murderer? She just wants to be a natural. <laughs> Wonderful. <sighs> when I went to school, they had uh, the air raid drills, and we had to go into the hallway and kneel on the floor with our heads against the wall and put our hands over our head. And, and we had the tornado drills. In preparation, same thing. In preparation for the big uh, atomic bomb that's going to get dropped. Yeah, they're, they're slightly different, though, Jerry. I mean, a tornado drill and an A-bomb dropping? Mm, yeah. Well, I think the difference is the A-bomb dropping is they make you bend over like that and then kiss your butt goodbye. Yeah. That's, I was like, I'm like yeah, what is this for? Oh, this is a case in case of a bombing. I go, and this is going to help me? <laughs> wow. 
Oh, I, man, there's, a, there's an atomic bomb coming, but thank God I can hide under my desk. <laughs> yeah. Never is, mind the fact that you'll be vaporized in seconds. That's that's my that's my hope. God forbid anything ever happens. I hope I'm like right under it. Yeah, I wouldn't want to survive and die a slow, painful death of radiation poisoning. My friends say that would happen to me. I'd, I'd be just far enough so the radiation would just barely get me. <laughs> and, I, and I would linger. Little by little, like, body parts would fall off. <laughs> that's, that's what would happen to me. I would, I would just be out of range. would be like Jeff Goldblum and the fly. Oh, there's my ear. Oh. Look at that. If you would like to watch a movie that is kind of like that, it's called Right at Your Door. It's a movie about a dirty bomb that explodes in Los Angeles. And like everyone, civilians don't really know what's going on because the government doesn't say anything. And then like 24 hours later, radio alerts start coming on. It's a good story. It's a real good story. It's messed up, but it's called Right at Your Door. So check it out. And, and as far as, you know, being afraid of truckers and whatnot, have you guys seen the movie? Oh, it's called Breakdown with Kurt Russell. Oh, I think Pee Wee's Big Adventure with Large Marge. <laughs> that kept me away from truckers. <laughs> Be sure and tell them Large Marge sent you. <laughs> la, 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 la. <laughs> Is this something you'd like to share with the rest of us, Amazing Larry? Oh, Pee Wee Herman, the only celebrity who can keep his hands to himself. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. You're wonderful audience. That was terrible, but great. <laughs> have you ever seen, speaking of truckers, the movie Joyride? I have not seen that one. No. Oh, you got to see that one. That one. That one's really creepy because it could actually happen. How about Taken? No. That oh, really that's happen. a good one. Who's in that? Liam Neeson. And what's it about? I will find you. I will kill you. I have, a very, I have a very special set of skills. <laughs> his, his daughter got kidnapped. I think the daughter's friend. And then he went to find them. Oh, and he found them all right. What's his special set of skills? Oh. Uh, Fucking people up. He will find you. Oh. He will find you and he will kill you. Oh. What, you know what? You should get the script for that and you should do it in the sheik's voice. <laughs> That's right, Bubba. I have special skills. I will find you. I will put you in the battle, the camel clutch. I'll break your back. Fuck you in the ass. Make you unbear. Old country way. I don't, I don't think I don't think you understand. I will find you. And I will hurt you. Bye-bye. What would the Sandman say? Yo, girl! I got skills! Yo! I have skills. <laughs> I'll find you. I'll hurt you. How you doing? I have a fat ass. It'll find you. But we haven't gone to parts unknown. <laughs> I will find you in the rocket ship and you repair the better power. <laughs> rocket ship. Wow. <laughs>
That is a very interesting situation. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. You have very, very special skills. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm done. I'm dying. So, Landstorm said that he actually had um, Mark Henry, or at least Mark Henry offered to, I think it was be there when his daughter had her first date. Who would you have? At the front door. Bruiser Brody. Or Mad Dog Vashon. Um, what'd I have? I'd have Mikey with a steel chair. <laughs> Holy I'd shit. I'd have Jerry with a clutch. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. When the Jehovah Witnesses would come knock on my door, I'd answer the door naked. Are you messing with us? No, I swear to God. You would just let your dong hang out? Yeah. They didn't stay. Oh, I'm... Did they look down, you think? I hope so. Otherwise, <laughs> they'd be a waste of time. <laughs> Did they sell it? <laughs> Not much to sell. Okay. <laughs> sell it? Oh, my God. Well. Oh, my God. Oh. Just curious. We got, well, because one time, years and years ago, we... When uh, X Pac was a lightning kid, car full of girls comes driving by, hooting and hollering. Ooh. And so we invited them back to the hotel, and they had a case of beer and all kinds of wine coolers in the back seat of the car with them. Charles and James. <clears throat> so we're in the room partying, and all of a sudden there's a knock at the door. So I open the door, and there's Charlie Norris and Ed Sharkey, and Eddie, the promoter, is holding a coffee mug in his hand, asking if he can buy borrow a cup of sugar. And meanwhile, his pants and underwear around his ankles. And boy, did the girls sell. I'd never heard so many, so much screaming in my life. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's awesome. So Bruiser Brody and uh, Mikey, who would you have? Jehovah's uh, Witnesses. I'd have Tonga. Haku. Oh, yeah. Holy God. He bites people's faces yeah. off. See? No problem. Holy shit. <laughs> Ming? Problem oh, solved. God. Yep. Wow. Or the Barbarian. That's not a bad pick. I always liked the Berserker. I was a big fan of his. I was just going to say, Nord. Oh, God. He was terrific. And then he he cut his hair, and he had blonde hair and a Fu Manchu when he was in WCW. What? Oh, he completely... John Nord? Yeah, he completely changed his look. I can't remember. In WCW, yeah. He was on Nitro many times. I was like, wait a minute. That's not the Berserker. But yeah. What? Look it up. I'm going to. John Nord, Monday Nitro. Right now. He did not have the curly, wild hair. He didn't cross his eyes or stick his tongue out. I still have no idea what the hell he was trying to say when he grabbed his wrist. Hus? Husk? I'm not, I don't. Yeah, he actually, he had a shirt that says, if you don't like me, see back. And I don't know what that meant, but. Anyway. What did the yeah. back of his shirt say? I don't know. I, don't, I can't see the back of it. If you don't like me, see front. Jeez. <laughs> He wrestled with Barry Darso in WCW. Yeah. Yeah, he wrestled Goldberg. What was his name? Just John Nord? Yeah. Yes. Now that dude looks intimidating. We've heard a lot of different stories about ECW, and obviously we're going to go into more stories about different personalities, what happened. We talked a little bit about backstage. We talked about fights. We've talked about Paul. I want to talk a little bit about this week, Road, Life on the Road. Because I know we haven't really touched on that a whole lot. So 
So how did that work with you guys? Because I know in WCW and the WWF, you guys, they would get a, a big stack of tickets, as they would say, plane tickets. And obviously you would go ahead and just make sure you make, you know, the cities that you're supposed to be in. Obviously you'd have to rent your cars, but what was it like? Let me ask you, we'll start with Mikey on this one. What, what was your thoughts about life on the road? Did you like all the traveling or did it get kind of old after a while? I liked it because I traveled with a group, good group of guys. So I had fun on the road. You know, I was, I was liked going out and about and, uh, we had a good group of guys. We, traveled with and then the ECW crew was always cool just to be around at the shows and stuff but I like I'm not a fan of flying because I just get absolutely stir crazy on the plane but just getting in the car or like a short plane trip I I just liked it. the hustle and bustle I kind of liked for a couple days and then it would get you get in zombie mode but I, I enjoyed it with ECW how how long as far as a stretch would you be on the road at one time most of the time wasn't it yeah, three days. When we went for a short while to four days, but by the end of four days, half the crew would be half crippled up. So I think we went back to three. Three or four days. And then depending where you were, the travel day home. Now, did anybody decline to fly and decide just to drive? Sabu for a while just drove his RV. Yeah, he had the and Winnebago. He, yeah. The extreme Winnebago, it was called. The party on wheels. Didn't Pee Wee ride with him a lot? Or? Yeah, Pee Wee would ride with him. And then I think Rob would ride with him once they met up. I just hated when you'd be in Japan for three or four weeks. Boy, then I was ready to get home. Well, Japan, it's like you're on a bus for like 10 hours a day. Oh, yeah. Some of them bus trips are brutal. So when it comes to travel, I mean, obviously, they're going to pay for your plane tickets. They're going to pay for your hotel, that kind of stuff. Did, did you get any kind of stipend for meals or was that all on you? They didn't pay for a hotel. They didn't pay for a hotel. ECW didn't pay for hotels, no. Oh, no, no, no. So ECW just paid for your airfare? Yep. Yep. That was it. Wow. Yep. So whatever your salary is, I mean, that can cut into it big time if you got to go ahead and book your own hotels and your food oh, yeah. and all car, that stuff. Car rentals. Wow. Yeah. Food, hotel. Then, then if your schedule is flying in one city, then hopping over to two or three, you know, other cities and then you're flying home from the last city and you have a drop-off fee with your car rental that really jacks the rate up so let me ask this question without asking a question were most guys in your opinion maybe even you guys were you guys all six-figure people <laughs> no I, I think had to even ask at it. that time, if you were, you probably really weren't because half the checks were missing. Yeah. I did okay when I came back from WCW. I did okay. It's to the point where it wasn't but then, but you gotta figure this. Okay. financially. Let's, let's, let's figure this. Okay. Say you're making 100000 Right. Right? Mm -hmm. Would you all say, oh, that's, that's not bad. Okay. Figure that's right at the top. Cool. You're paying taxes right at the top. So at that point, you're, you're already at 65000 or 70000 Got it. Right? Then you have to pay your rental car every week, your hotel, and your food every week. So you figure your rental car, maybe $30 a day, taxes, everything else. Figure your, your, your rental car is $120 for the weekend. Right? You split that with three guys. There's 40 bucks. Then you have to eat. So even if you eat cheap, right, you're going to spend 30 40 bucks a day on food. If you eat cheap. Okay. Then you have to pay for your hotel. 
and say you pay just say bigger hundred dollars for the hotel between two or three guys, right? I mean, right there you're looking at like what two hundred bucks. And don't yeah. forget parking at the airport if you didn't have someone drop you off and picking you up. And then if you want to work out, they usually want to charge you ten or fifteen dollars just for a workout, one time workout at the gym. I didn't have that problem. Okay. <laughs> and if you want to tan, <laughs> you pay to tan. And then you forget, like when I was in WWF, you have to file state taxes in every state you wrestled in that has a state tax, not just federal. Wow. So, so how do a, you do that? That was a pain in the ass. Because oh, they, you, uh, you get the you get the 1099. Yeah. And you have to file for each state. You made this much in this state. You made this much in this state. You made this much in this state. So you, who knows how much you end up paying the accountant to do all that too. That's ridiculous. And besides all that, you still have your bills at home. Wow. Never really so thought when people about it. hear, you know, a hundred thousand a year, it's really not a lot of money left over. Yeah. I'm thinking you're going to spend 15,000 a year on road expenses going cheap. That's on the cheap end. So right there, you're down to 50 grand before you pay uh, your state tax, like Jerry said, and any home expenses. So you're not making a whole lot of money. And then what about injuries and stuff like that? It's all out of your pocket too. I mean, going to the emergency room or. And that's if you don't have insurance. And if you do get your own health insurance, you know, you're talking, how much is it a month now? I mean, back then it was probably what, four or $500 a month. Yeah. Now it's, like it's a lot more. So, okay. So say something Let's put it this way. on the show. We're not living in the lap of luxury. Right. Well, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking that you guys were like raking in the dough, but what I was saying was I was just kind of trying to get an idea of what we were looking at because Sandman had said, you know, he and a bunch of other guys were making about a hundred and a quarter, a hundred and a half a year. But then, like you said before, once you do all this deduction, it's basically maybe a $40,000 a year job. Wow. Interesting. And that, that's, that's if you're making a hundred thousand. Most of the guys in ECW were not making that much. Not even close. Now, did most guys just live in the Philadelphia area at that point? We had a mostly Northeast crew. Right. But, you know, but yeah, guys like Lance was in Calgary. Jerry was in, where are you, Jerry? Florida? Oh, no, at one point you were in Florida. Yeah, when I first started, I was in Orlando. And then halfway through, I moved back up to Minneapolis. We had, we had a couple guys that would come from out of there, but, but most of us were in the Northeast. So let's say Jerry or, or Mike, you guys are on a big show, okay? Let's say it's a pay-per-view. And one of you guys get injured pretty bad. You're saying that Paul or the promotion would not chip a few bucks in if you're having to take care of a hospital bill? Like, I mean, I know that's sounding a little naive, but no money would be thrown that way just to kind of get you through or anything like that? It depends on the promoter. I'm trying to think. When I, when I broke yeah. my collarbone in ECW in 95... Maybe 95, late 94, 95. Paulie covered that. And he would pay me for every show too. And then when I got hurt, when I hurt my knee the one time and I was out for three months, four months, uh, he had me doing music and stuff. 
So, so you're still working. Pay. Right. I mean, that's still, that, that's still good because obviously he didn't have to do that. Right. So I have no complaints with that. You know, I don't know what he did for everybody else. Well, but for me, he didn't do nothing for mine. But uh, um, when I was with WWF, when I needed knee surgery, they covered it. Um, trying to think, TNA when I had to get shoulder surgery when Hoovy dumped me, I didn't get a dime from TNA. And one great thing is NYWC. Remember, I got my eyebrows split wide open pretty good. I had to go to the emergency room. And what happened, Jerry? They paid for it. Indeed, they were awesome. John and Shane covered it all. Yep. So like you said before, it really depends on the promotion, depends on the, the company itself. It's on a situation by situation type of thing. Yeah. I mean, you could do local indies. I mean, most of them cannot afford a bill like that. If you, if you blow out your knee or you hurt your shoulder, they can't afford it. Right. You know, but you would think TNA, WCW, WWE, if you're going to get hurt, they, they're going to take care of it. So shame on TNA. Well, <laughs> well, if I was one of their stars, they'd have probably covered it. I don't know. Well, you were. You were the ex- no, one of the exhibition no. stars, dude. No, they didn't have any plans for me, which is fine. You know, I had a job there for a few years and was able to make a living. So, so how would that process work out? So you get injured, right? Are you expected to cover it on your own and then they reimburse you? Or is it a situation where they go ahead and they, they front it immediately so you can get whatever surgery is required? I mean, how does that process work? The whole bill just goes into their name right away. So when you're at the hospital, you just say what? Well, you got to tell them who you are and stuff, but then you tell them it's a workman's comp injury. Okay. And, you know, give them the company's information. And they take it from there. Yep. Oh, nope. Interesting. Independent contractor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that a farce? Well, Jerry, you and I talked about that whole independent contractor thing once before. I mean, it's, it's a joke. You're an independent contractor, but you cannot work for other people at the same time. Right. That makes no logical sense. Yeah. If you're a truck driver. And you're an independent contractor, you can haul loads for anybody. If you do excavation and you own your own bobcat and dump truck and you're an independent contractor, you can work for anybody. You can get work wherever you want. So it's just a, it's a scam. I don't know how that's not illegal though. Well. You're an independent contractor, yet you're not really an independent contractor. But here's the thing. You're, you're, they tell you you're classified as an independent contractor and you sign a contract. So yeah. you're agreeing to it. Right. And it's pretty so, much here it is, take it or leave it. And there's 50,000 other people behind you waiting, you know, chomping at the bit to sign that contract and have an opportunity. And you even said before, it's not necessarily about even the money itself. It's about the prestige or maybe some people are younger and they want the notoriety or the fame or whatever. Or it's about taking that chance, you know, something good might happen and you might, you know, have a good run there. Do you guys think having, a, let's say you have a family already and you're on the road, what's that like when you already have children? And that makes it even harder. Sucks. Yeah. That, it, like that, it, it sucks for me now and I don't go away for very long, very often. You know, I'm dreading leaving. I leave for uh, Montreal on Friday afternoon and I won't go back until Sunday afternoon and I'm dreading it already. You know, so it's just, wow. and if you're, if you're still, you know, trying to get a break and actually make a living at it, it makes it even harder if you've already got a wife and kids 
because you, you know, I tell the guys, they ask, you know, when I do seminars and stuff, they ask me, you know, advice. And I say, well, you got to be willing to pack up and go move to wherever the work is. You got to go out and go get it. You can't just sit there by the phone and wait for it to ring. And one thing I learned over the years, especially with a small startup company, uh, when the budget gets tight, they stop flying people in. So if you've moved to where they mostly do their, most of their shows, they'll still use you. Well, you know, and other people that they had to fly in, they'll stop using them. So it makes it even that much harder if you've got a wife or kids or, you know, or just one or the other. It, it makes it so much harder to, to pursue it and try and get a break at it. Do you think the guys and gals who had families were able to kind of relate to each other better than the single people? Yeah, in certain ways, I would imagine. And then, it, you know, it, it makes it hard, too. If like I miss seeing my first daughter, Erica, half her life watching her grow up because I was on the road all the time. And there was times that I did move to other cities. And. Uh, and then with Eric or with Annabelle this time. I, you know, I was always there, but there were so many times when she was little and I'd be packing that bag and I'd be getting ready to go out the door and head to the airport. She would just look up at me and just say, Daddy. Please don't go. Oh, and like, oh, it would just crush dude, you. That's the worst. It is. And then if they start crying on top. Oh. And then you tell them, you go, I got to, I have to, this is my job. This is how we pay the bills, you know, but it, it's hard sometimes. And then there's times when you come home and you're all banged up and she'd be all excited to see you. And she's like, come on, come on, let's go outside this plane. I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't. You know, daddy's hurt. So neither of my daughters are too fond of wrestling because the first one, you know, kept us apart so long. And then the second one saw the wear and tear and what it's done to my body. So neither one of them are too fond of wrestling, <laughs> which is fine with me. Here's the thing, Jerry, I could ask you. Do you ever feel guilty that you're around for Annabelle more than you were for Erica? Uh, even before Annabelle was around, I still felt guilty with Erica. And we actually went and saw the movie, The Wrestler, together. Wow. At the theater, and I think she must have been like 15 or 16 at the time. And when there was the scene of Mickey Rourke and his daughter walking down the boardwalk, was that in, uh, uh, I can't remember where it was. Was what, what's Where's all the casinos in that? Uh, Atlantic City. Atlantic City? Atlantic City. Is that where that scene was, or was it Asbury Park? I, I can't remember. But there was a scene where they're walking down the boardwalk, and... I can't remember what he was saying to her, but I just lost it in the theater. And I just started bawling. And I said to Eric, I said, I'm sorry. So, yeah, you know, it, it was hard. There's separation between two sides of my, my kids. And there's a California section and there's a Pennsylvania section. And it's very difficult for me. Just And this has nothing to do with wrestling. That I, I do all these things with you know, the Pennsylvania group, you know, and then there's this, the, the faction in California that I get to see, you know, maybe two weeks of the year. So it's, it's, that's, it's hard for me that, you know, which I guess you could say that, you know, with Erica was, you know, you were gone more, you were home more mm -hmm. with Annabelle, but I feel guilty all the time. It's ridiculous. Well, it's not ridiculous. It's just, it's hard. I mean, it, it shows that you care, you know, if you didn't. It's a then... damn struggle. Any birthdays you guys ever had to miss? Oh, probably. Birthdays, graduations, weddings. 
<laughs> Christmas. <laughs> I actually missed my brother's wedding, which uh, his friends were they were pissed at me, his buddies. But Russ understood. I had a, I had to go wrestle and make some money, and he understood. He was fine with it. But his friends weren't too fond of me. I was gonna be. I was going to be the best man at my friend's wedding. And I had the long red hair. And his wife, <laughs> his wife did not want. Oh my God. I don't want Bozo the clown in my wedding. That's pretty much what she said. And I said, okay, I won't be the best man. I'll, I won't be at your wedding party. And I remember we, we, we had the wedding and everybody's lining up outside the church for the big picture. And just as a photographer takes a picture, I come up behind and I stick my head right between both of them. And I went, say cheese. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, so there's their wedding picture of like the group of all the people at the wedding. Is, and there's me right in the middle with my head right on fire. <laughs> Only thing missing was a fireball. Yeah. Well, you know, and he said, he goes, well, you know, you, you could die. And I said, listen, I said, I have TV the week before. I have pay-per-view the week after. I said, I can't strip it. Dye it red, then dye it brown. When it wouldn't even come out brown, it'd be like a rust, ugly rust color. I said, and then strip it and then dye it red again. I said, forget it. I go, it's falling out already from yeah, all this. It would all break off. Yeah, I said, so, so I understand. You know, he had to do what he had to do to keep his, his future wife happy. Uh, you know, that's that's just you know how she felt about it. And at the time, otherwise I was, she wouldn't have been his future wife. That's right. right? At the t- <laughs> my future ex-wife. <laughs> but I, I like. At, at the time, I was pissed. I'm going, how fucking petty can we be? You know, but it was her big day. You know, she wanted it nice. And I guess my red hair was an issue. So at the time, I was pissed. But they're, right they're, they're still together. So Now, I got to ask the question because I know pro- people are probably wondering it. What kind of what kind of impact does being on the road do to a relationship? Maybe not necessarily the kids aspect, but just you and your significant other. Cause that's gotta be hard too, right? It depends. So, you know, sometimes absence makes the heart grow fonder. I had the complete opposite. <laughs> Wait, the thing is too, is you have to have complete trust and you can't be insecure. I had the complete opposite because my ex, we were always apart. You know, when we got together, she was in college out in Hershey somewhere, I think, and I was wrestling. So we didn't really spend a lot of time together. When I stopped wrestling full time and we were around together all the time, that's, I think, when it started to spiral. Seems like there's a lot of things that can be that can be mind fucks when you're out there trying to work. You know what I mean? Like a lot of things that could just be weighing on your mind outside of what you're expected to do for for a show. The worst thing is when you get cancellations. I've had a triple shot all lined up one weekend and one by one during the week before each one of them canceled on me. And that's, it's too late to get any work to refill those slots, you know? So that's why, you know, you'd have to ask for a deposit up front in case they cancel, you'd still have that deposit. But I mean, it got bad there for a while when I don't know, the business was in a real bad lull. And I even had regulars do it to me. <laughs> People I wouldn't even suspect, so I didn't get a deposit from them. But that was, that's the worst. That was the end for me in me wrestling full-time. 
when I had to go out and hustle and ask to work, when I didn't have enough bookings, I had to go like, you know, call people, you know, and then, oh yeah, yeah, you're good. Oh, hey man, you know, we got to cancel the show. We got to cancel you off. And then you're counting on that money. Then the money doesn't come in. And I, I just got tired of the rat race, you know, tr- trying to find where, you know, trying to get my next score. Or when, you know, what, what changed too is you had guys who were willing to work for $10 or, you know, or zero just to be on the show. Uh, I did a show. I, yep. You know, and then you're lowering everyone's pay scale. Yep. Then you, you tell them your fee. Well, well, I can get six other guys for $120 total combined. Well, you know, have at it. Then you're screwed. But I did a show in Orlando for Frank Goodman. And I found out these two guys who went out. And they even they stacked two tables on top of each other, climbed on top of the concession stand. This was outdoors at the uh, underneath the pavilion at the state fairgrounds, and did some insane bump both of them off the top of the concession stand through two tables. And I heard these two guys paid to be on the show. The ticket sellers, we call them. That was always frustrating when you'd be working for a guy and you'd set your price. And then you'd hear, you know, you'd be doing something else one month and then they call you back. You know, and you say, okay, well, I got this guy for 300 <laughs> And I'm going, okay. He goes, so can, can you match that price? And I go, no. <laughs> Very frustrating when guys would do that. But, you know, in their defense, they need the money. All right. Yeah, they're trying to, you know, everyone's hustling, trying to make a dime. But isn't that going to affect the, the ultimate show? Who would you rather have on the show that's going to draw people in the door? Somebody who's been seen on TV and who's a, who's a name or just somebody who's going to be reasonable, but yet no one knows who the hell they are, might not be the best performer, but yet it gets you under budget. But that's not, it wasn't even that for me. It was, for me, it was usually other ECW guys. They would get other ECW guys that would come in on the cheap, you know. And not to throw him under the bus because he's no longer with us, but balls would do that all the time. You know, I go and I work for a guy, I get 500, and then balls would go, oh, I'll do it for 300. You know, so they're like, oh, well, balls came in for 300. I'm going, well, call balls then, because I'm not, uh, you know, it, it was frustrating for me to have, you know, guys do that. But, you know, guys set their price, they need the work. And no, after, after a couple of that, a couple of times, I said, I'm, I'm done with this. Would the promoter share that kind of information with another performer and say, hey, I'm talking to such and such for this amount? Some of them would. Wow. Because they want to get you on the cheap. Right. So they're going to try to pit you guys against each other to find out who wants it bad. And, and, then, and then other times, now, and this happens now, I was talking to Jerry about this. We, we both had this happen recently where they want to get you on the cheap. Right? And there was a time where I'd be willing to, uh, okay, I'll do it. But, but I said, I think this is right when you, right when you, right before, I think it was right before your surgery. Mm-hmm. And I said, fuck this, Jerry. I'm telling my people my fucking price. And if they want to fucking match it, fuck it, I'm staying home. Fuck it. It's just not worth it. I said, I just can't, just, I'm just doing it more. What always pissed me off is the same people who will turn around and pay one of their favorites that they're big marks for five grand for, you Jesus. know, they're willing to do it then. But then when it comes to you, it's like, well, they try and lowball you as low as they can get you. Yep. 
it's just, you know, it, it gets to the, uh, the point where it's insulting. What's the highest amount you've ever heard on a show that you've been booked that somebody got? That just, you, you sat back and went, are you got to be shitting me? I can't say because really I don't have, I've never really had promoters tell me what they're paying other people. Well, no, but just gets the, the, the scuttlebutt. Yeah. I was going to say it backstage yeah. or whatever, like, you know, Bob's getting, let's say oh, five grand. Probably be like flair. Yeah. Would ask for, I can't remember what he's asked for 20 or 25 grand per appearance. But, you know, we were talking about the promoters who want, who are willing to use a whole crew of guys willing to work for $10 or for free. Well, when you figure that, you know, the promoter's not going to draw a big house with using wrestlers like that. Exactly. But when you figure if the promoter owns his ring and he doesn't have to rent a ring, and if he charges, you know, $15, $20 a ticket and draws, you know, 50 to 75 people every time he runs, the promoter's still making a decent payday. Yep. So a lot of them don't care that they have, you know, $10 talent or free talent that may not be the greatest, but as long as he's still making money, it's a big hustle. I'm not a hustler. I'm lazy. Wow. Just another insight into. You are not Mikey. You're not lazy. You're a mover and a shaker. Well, so good luck. Good luck finding a DJ who can move and shake like this. John Lovett from The Wedding Singer. It's awesome. Uh, and it's not only the shake. Move and shake like this. Yeah. It's he shakes a second time. Yes. Just because. That, yeah. And it's that, like, yeah, take that. And then when Adam Sandler sings that song, when that goes crazy, <laughs> and there's John Lovett's, he's losing his mind. And I'm reaping the benefits. <laughs> and the curtain closes. <laughs> Fucking comedic genius. Oh, uh, that was great. <laughs> John Lovitz. Sophisticated oh, I, mama! <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I, and I, want, I want to go on the record and say I'm not bitter. No, I, I, I don't take any of this as, is, is being bitter. No, it just, no it's just, just factual. We're just, we're just telling you, you know, stuff you go through and put up with in the business. Now, Mikey, did you ever do any indies where they ask you to get color? Yep. yep. Do you charge more? I say it's going to cost you. I think, I'd always put the heat on Pam. Oh, I put the heat asked, on, on Angel for everything. Yeah. That, well, they ask, they'd ask you, you know, you, you mind getting color? I said, well, I don't mind, but I'll say my wife wants me to get extra money for carving up my forehead and they'd usually cough it up. So, so I saw, if I go home in the market, in my head, I'm going to have to buy myself, my wife, something nice. So I won't do it anymore though. What? What has been the most pissed either one of your significant others have been when you've come home and you've uh, either done something like that or gotten injured or whatever? Anything that you were worried that they would find out that you? Uh... <laughs> oh, my God. I got to be good. Sounds uh, like Jerry's had another snake bite back there. No, no. Too much to do tomorrow. <laughs> All right, Jerry, there's that, that evil giggle. You have to let us know uh, now. Well, I was just going to jokingly say there was that one time at Sniffer's Row. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, By the way, Sniffer's Row is available in a T-shirt if you head on over to Art Row Material website. We're still plugging yes. the shirts, right, guys? Still plugging them? That's right. Yes, buy the shirts. FRMPod.com, Sniffer's Row. It's an awesome shirt. Buy it. Just respect the shirt.
Respect it. Well, I don't think my wife has ever given me any type of. If I come home with a cut on my forehead, she kind of just looks at me. But yeah, if I well, usually I would let her know. I'm trying to think. Probably before I started putting the heat on her and asking for extra, if I did, she'd give me the look, but not you know too pissed off and just. Then I knew I had to start, uh, you know, putting my foot down for some money. When we first got together, and I would come home, I would get hurt. I would get some nice TLC. Now if I come home and I'm hurt, it just goes, you got to take the garbage out. <laughs> you know what I hear? If, I, if I'm selling an old injury or something, I'd say, man, I'm hurting. I hear, it's your fault. You did it to yourself. <laughs> That's wow. all I get. <laughs> I said it to myself. Like, I'll say something, I'll say bad. My, my wife will go, I'm sorry, honey. That's my own fault. It seemed like That's a good idea 25 years ago. That's the secret to a long marriage, just learn to say I'm sorry a lot. Yep. Even, Even when you think you're right. I never think I'm sorry. right anymore. I don't either. <laughs> They're always putting a shadow of doubt in my head. I wake up in the morning, I'm sorry. Oh, get this. Uh, Two nights ago, we, we had the security system here. So we're taking the special fire alarm they've got with it with us. So she says, yeah, just all you got to do is take it off, unscrew the two screws and take off the mounting plate and we'll bring it with us. So she's not home from work yet. And Annabelle and I are home. So I get the ladder out. I get up there. I pull the screws out and the mounting plate will not come off. And I'm thinking, oh, no, they glued this to the wall, too. And so I didn't take it off. I called her and told her. So when she comes home and even... <laughs> Uh, I'm going, I can't get this off. And Annabelle's going, well, mom said it can come right off. I go, well, it won't. And she goes, mom's always right. And I said, well, she's not this time. So when she comes home, she climbs the ladder. And before she's even up halfway up the ladder, Annabelle's telling her, yeah, dad says you're wrong this time. So she gets up there. <laughs> she just pries around the edges a little bit. And all of a sudden, boop, it comes right off. And I was afraid to yank on it because I didn't want paint and sheet rock coming off the wall. And so Annabelle's got to say, yeah, dad said, yeah. <laughs> she goes, I told dad that you're always right. And he said, well, she's not this time. And boy, did Pam give me the look. You just lost all credibility with your daughter. Oh, oh I did. I did. Oh, I, I did the job. Before we go ahead and, and put a bow tie on this one, I want to ask just a couple of questions here. I'm going to put two minutes on the clock. Okay. We have some people who have some questions for you guys. I want to end the show with this. Are you ready? Rapid fire. Here we go. How did Jerry and Mikey become buddies? And that's coming from that F and Patrick Brooks. Well, I was working, I was working as, a, as a man of the night in South Philadelphia. <laughs> Jerry pulled up. I said, hey, what's up, whistle britches? You forgot what I said. I pulled up. I rolled the window down and I said, hey, sugar. What's up, whistle britches? <laughs> I said, you got $25? Wow. <laughs> Make you holla? <laughs> A dollar make them holla. No, I think it we must have ran into each other down at the far end of Bourbon Street. <laughs> I don't know. It's been I think it's just, ever since. ECW somewhere. Yeah. There are guys you, you meet and you just click. Yeah. I was probably being entertaining. It just made Jerry laugh. Mm -hmm. And I figured, oh, I'm, I, I'm thinking, oh, this fucking guy laughs at my jokes. So I'm going to keep talking to him. <laughs> Still do. Oh. Uh, 
Hope that answers your question, the FN guy, Patrick Brooks. Next question is going to oh, from that Dark Eagle. Guy. Yeah, that fucking guy. That's right. Dark Eagle 1918 says, Jerry, what the hell is that tattoo on your leg? Oh, it's a bowl. A bowl with like possessed eyes and blood coming out of its mouth. I was, and there's no reason for it. There's no meaning. There's nothing. <laughs> there's no I reason. just was, no, there's not. You, usually people have a cool story about a tattoo, why they got a tattoo or whatever. I had gotten a tattoo two weeks prior, a small one, <clears throat> where no one can see it. It was a tester. I thought, well, I'm going to get a tattoo and see if I like them. So two where's, weeks where's after Where's the tester, Jerry? Never mind. <laughs> what, what, do you have a it's tramp stamp, on, Jerry? I know. No. I know no, where it is. No. He knows. <laughs> well, there's probably everyone in, in every locker room I've been in, they, they know where it's at. It's on my left. Uh, Testicle. Lower abdominal area. Left side, like towards the hip. Anyway. What is so, it, by the way? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay, continue on. So two weeks later, I was in Dallas visiting someone. And we were in, down in the deep Ellum area, just walking around. It was during the day. And I walked into a tattoo shop. I think it was called Paradise Tattoo. Like two dice. But uh, so I was looking at some of the stuff. And I saw this bull with a mohawk wearing some shades and a ring through the nose. It just kind of caught my eye. And the, right as I was looking at that, this, the woman working there comes up and says, can I help you? And I said, well, this kind of caught my eye. And she says, if you're going to get a tattoo, she says, you don't want something cartoonish like that. You want something more serious. And I go, yeah. <laughs> and she goes, Richard will draw something up for you. So the, the guy, Richard Stell, I think was his last name. In five minutes, he drew it up. And it looked awesome. It was just, he was a great artist. And I said, how much? He said, 150. And I said, sold. So it took him about an hour to do it. And he had all these colors lined up. He was doing it where there's like different colors were from different lights, from different angles. And, but he, oh my God, I think he, he cut me in about three or four different places. It was very painful. I was chewing gum like there's no tomorrow and sweating like a whore in church. He had a heavy hand. <laughs> oh Yeah. And I didn't realize who he was. And then until after he was done, I saw some plaques on the wall with pictures of some of his work. And I remember seeing some of his work in tattoo magazines because he had some really bizarre stuff. Like one was a baby with the umbilical cord still attached, but the umbilical cord is wrapped around its arm and it was shooting up. I mean, he had some bizarre artwork. What? Oh. Anyway, so later on, I went and got some stuff added to my first tattoo and the tattoo artist saw the bowl on my leg and he he asked me he says who did that and i told him who and he knew exactly who it was he says he's the only tattoo artist who's brought tears to my eyes and i was like yeah i believe you <laughs> god but interesting but he was a he was a really good artist but yeah there was no meaning to it it's just a bowl shannabel lecter jeez okay. yes was there anybody in ECW during your times that you never got a chance to work with? Axel Rotten. Yeah, I never got to work with him either. Never happened. The most I ever Axel got to Rotten. do with Axel was duck a clothesline. And we were there together for four years. Would you have done a Taipei deathmatch, yes or no? No. Yeah, that was fucking brutal. Ian came back and passed out from the loss of blood. 
Oh yeah. Well, there's just Jesus. there's two. I don't know. The risk isn't worth it when you're dealing with glass because you never know if, if you're gonna you know hit a main artery. We need to talk about that one episode. Ian and Axel Rotten. I think that'll be a good one. You can talk about the piss bucket. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the young boys. Well, if you guys are digging what we're doing and you would like to go ahead and continue this conversation on social media, feel free to hit the guys up. You can hit Jerry Lynn up at It's Jerry Lynn. You can hit Mikey Whipwreck up at Mikey Whipwreck underscore. Remember, Mikey's got those. Eight by tens that you can go ahead and order, signed pictures, and he's also doing his uh, uh, stylist uh, autographs. <laughs> Jesus, fuck, I'm trying to be serious here. You can get autographs from him. I'm sure if you DM Jerry, he will sign stuff for you as well. If you'd like to go ahead and get some front row material merchandise, you can cruise on over to our website, which is frmpod.com. <laughs> It's got shirts, coffee mugs, duffel bags, anything you could possibly want. By all means, check that out. Check out their Pro Wrestling Tees site. Jerry's got uh, a lot of designs that are out. So does Mikey. And we also have one for the podcast as well. What are you drinking? I think he's trying just to fuck me up as I'm, I'm closing here. Well, Mikey, you got a big date coming up in Canada. Would you like to share those dates? The 23rd, I'll be in Montreal, and the 24th, I will be in Greektown. Nice. That's right. Texter, darling. It's terrible. My buddy Tajiri and I, I will be uh, managing Tajiri on the 23rd and teaming with my old buddy on the 24th for Greektown against the nice. Pratt. I like that. Uh, and if anybody would like... Free. We good? You okay, Mikey? You sound like you're... Something, something doesn't sound right. All right. <laughs> what did you digest earlier? I don't know. For Mikey Whipwreck... Jerry Lynn. <laughs> I'm your host, Mike Freeland. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> Say goodbye, boys. Bye. What? <laughs> We're getting canceled. <laughs> Why are we getting canceled? See you next week. The world of NLW Radio never stops.